A precarious predicament out on a limb. You've been coming to church long enough, I suspect, to know the story of King David. David was a young shepherd boy that God had anointed even while Saul was on the throne. David comes to power and he is now the sovereign over the people of God. And in a time in his life when he should have been leading his men into battle, he saw this woman bathing on a rooftop. David, who had a harem of women and wives that he could choose from, decided that he wanted this woman a woman named Bathsheba. Bathsheba was married to one of David's lieutenants in battle named Uriah. And while they were out on the battlefield, David has his way sexually with Bathsheba. Bathsheba is now pregnant with David's child. All this happened in the Bible. And so Uriah is called in off the battlefield because David wants him to go in to Bathsheba to pretend that the baby is his. But, Beth, but Uriah would not go in because his men are fighting on the battlefield. So David gets him drunk, supposing that if he's liquored up, He'll go in and have sex with Bathsheba. But Uriah, even drunk, has more honor than David sober. And he still will not go in sexually with his wife while his men are on the battlefield. David calls one of the generals in and says, put him in the thick of the battle. Put him on the front lines and make sure that he's killed in the battle. Uriah gets in the front line, is killed, and David thinks that the pregnancy and the sin has been covered up. But then Nathan the prophet is sent by God to David's house to tell David a little story. He says, King, there was this man who had only one ewe lamb, and there was this man who had all of these sheep. And the man with all of these sheep took this man's one little lamb. He loved that lamb so much that he slept in the bed with it. He loved that lamb so much that he took it with him everywhere he went. And king, he took that man's lamb. What in your thinking, what in your determination ought to happen to that man? David, enraged, said that man ought to be put to death for taking that man's one lamb. And the raised finger of Nathan the prophet points at David the king and says to him, Oh, king, 
you are that man. And when David is confronted with his sin, he does not lie. He does not shift the blame. He does not try to wiggle out of it. He goes to God, God in penitent consciousness and he writes Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy, blot out all my transgressions against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Wash me with hyssop. Create in me a clean heart and renew within me the right spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Then will I teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted unto thee. And God in mercy forgives David. But brothers and sisters, you hear me. There are some sins God will forgive but he'll never let you do anything big. There are some sins you can commit that God in his mercy forgives, but he'll never let you reach the heights that you could attain. David wanted to build God a house, and God wouldn't let him attend to it because he shed the blood of an innocent man. And God through Nathan the prophet, gave David this searing prophecy. The sword shall never leave your house. David is on the throne of Israel adjudicating matters of state and the sword is in his own house. Because the proverb says, whoever troubles his own house shall inherit the wind. And David is on the throne of Israel and his own son Amnon has raped his sister Tamar. He's ruling Israel and there's trouble in his own house. A brother rapes a sister. Two years go by. Absalom has been watching Ammon every time he comes in the house. Every time he moves, every time he, he, he walks out, every time he comes in, every time he makes a move, Absalom is watching Amnon because uh, 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 this, this man, uh, Absalom and Tamar, are brother and sister from the same mother and father, but Amnon is a stepbrother, a half-brother. And, and Amnon has raped Absalom's whole sister and Absalom wants to take his whole life. For two years, he's stewing. He's angry. He's boiling. And when the opportunity presents itself, he kills Amnon. And he runs away and stays away two years because he thinks that his father, David, hates him. He comes back home and for two more years, David does not even speak to Absalom. But then when he learns what Absalom has done and he knows 
that Absalom has killed Amnon because he raped Tamar. And now David's two sons before Absalom are dead because God told him the sword will never leave your house. The sins of the fathers are visited upon the children even to their third and fourth generation. You think what you're doing is not going to affect your children. You think the mistakes you are making and the lies that you are living is not going to affect your children. But the Bible says it'll go down to the third and fourth generation. And so now, here is Absalom. His father has taken him back in the fold. But that's still not enough for Absalom because now Absalom has gotten men together to overthrow his own father read it read it when you get home in 2nd Samuel he, he, he organizes an army to overthrow King David he rebels against his own father and he puts together an army that puts King David on the run. But now Absalom is not as skilled an army person as is King David. Because David and his men know something about guerrilla warfare. <laughs> David and his men know how to fight in the field. They know how to fight in the woods. They know how to fight in the water. They know how to fight when it's raining or when it's cold or when it's hot. They know how to fight when conditions are not right. Absalom is used to just being a military tactician. But David is a guerrilla warfare fighter. But Absalom in his insolence goes against his father. But then David's men turn the battle in David's favor. And here's where we pick up the story. Absalom is running from the men of King David. And in running from them, Josephus says he's caught in an oak tree by his hair. The Bible says he's caught in an oak tree by his head. We don't know if there was a fork in the tree that his head got caught on or if his hair got caught in the oak tree and if his hair got caught, he was not the first man in the Bible whose hair messed him up. I wish I had one or two more Bible readers who can help me talk about a man named Samson who had some long hair and fell asleep in the wrong lap and woke up with a bad haircut. I don't have time to talk about that. I'm not talking about Samson. I'm talking about Absalom. Absalom is caught and he's swinging by the net from an oak tree. And while he's suspended between heaven and earth, those of us who are watching need to take heed because it's easy to squander your blessings. Uh, this, this man, Absalom, was, was born for the throne. 
He's in the line of succession. But he squanders blessings because of pride and arrogance. Pride always goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit always goes before fall. If you think you're more than you really are, God knows how to put you back in your place. Have I got a witness here? Nobody can talk to you. Nobody can speak to you. You don't speak to nobody. You want to sit on a pew all by yourself because you're so arrogant and you're so proud and then you're proud of how proud you are. God knows how to take the rug out from under you and the very folk you laughed at on your way up to the top, God will make you meet them on your way down to the bottom. Because if you exalt yourself, you'll be abased. But if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Um, I, I want you to see something in the text. He's riding on a mule. And a mule was an animal for royalty. Not, not, a, not, a, not, a, not a steed, not a thoroughbred. Royalty used mules in that day. And the mule that he was riding on, when he got caught in that oak tree, the mule said, you're on your own. <laughs> he ran out and left him hanging. As if to get clear of that burden. And as if to resign Absalom to this ignominious oak tree. As if to forsake and to foreshadow Romans 8.21 that says, Because the creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. This mule is under the bondage of corruption. Absalom is so corrupt that he tries to usurp his own father. But a donkey, a mule, has sift enough to say, you're not going to ride on me and do that. There's another animal that spoke. Jackass spoke to a man named Balaam. I wish I had two or three Bible readers here. While, while I'm talking about that, we, we preachers ought not get too, too proud and get too beside ourselves because if God can use a jackass to speak, that, that may be why he's using two or three of us to, to, to preach. We ought not get so beside ourselves because God can take anything and use it to his glory. He hung between heaven and earth as unworthy of either one. He was abandoned by both heaven and earth. Earth wouldn't keep him. Heaven wouldn't take him. So hell opens her mouth to receive him 
and Absalom is hanging in the air in what the Latins call interrerum. Interrerum is an example to intimidate, to frighten children from disobedience to their parents. Because when you disobey, God will leave you hanging. When you're headstrong, God will leave you hanging. When you think you've got it all together, God will leave you hanging. If nobody can talk to you, if nobody can reason with you, if wisdom is wasted on you, God will let you go headlong into your foolishness. And by the time you stop, you're hanging between heaven and earth. Earth won't have you. Heaven don't want you. Hell opens his mouth to receive you because nobody could tell you anything. Look at Absalom again. God had smiled on his life. He was handsome, popular, beloved of his father. He is a portrait of the Christian believer in here this morning who walks out of fellowship with God the Father. Because brothers and sisters, hear me. It is possible to be saved and not be right with God. Y'all miss that? It's possible to be saved and be living in a backslidden condition. That's why the worship doesn't move you. That's why the preaching of the gospel makes you sleepy. That's why prayers and songs of praise, you never participate in the singing. You never participate in the reading of the scripture. You never come to church school. You are never excited about anything that's going on in worship. You're a Christian. You're, you're, you're God's child. He called you. He saved you. But you're out of fellowship with God because if amazing grace doesn't mean anything to you, somebody ought to help me preach it. And if, if, listen, here's how you know you're backslidden. You come to Lily Grove and that ain't enough for you. So you go join Wheeler. And then that ain't enough for you. Then you go to Lakewood. Then that ain't enough for you. You become a Muslim. That ain't enough for you. You become a Jehovah's Witness. That ain't enough for you. You just stop going to church altogether and turn your back on God altogether as if God moved. The problem with you moving around is you got to take you. If you could leave you, you'd have a good time at church. But until you get satisfied with you, until you know that God has his hands on you, God's been good to you. God has made a way for you. God is blessing you. God is providing for you. You don't need nobody to get you pumped up in the worship. You don't need no choir to get you all excited. You don't need a preacher to preach you happy. 
You know God's been good to you. I wish I had one or two more witnesses in here this morning who ain't looking at nobody shouting because you're too busy shouting yourself. You ain't listening to nobody else say amen because you're so loud they're trying to tell you to be quiet. And then you might be in a section of folk saying it don't take all of that. You got my permission right now to get out of that dead section where you are and get around some folk who look like they've been born again. Don't listen to these people talking about it don't take all of that. Look at them and say it don't take all that for you. But you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what kind of week I had last week. You don't know what kind of trouble God has brought me out of. I'm here this morning because if it had not been. Have I got a witness here? If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. Don't squander blessing. Not only did Absalom squander blessing, but he squandered privilege. He is the son of a king. Left hand. Psalm 52 verse 6 says, The righteous also shall see and fear and laugh at him. Brothers and sisters, listen. You got to watch your company. You, you, you have to watch who you spend time with. Because who you spend time with says a lot about you. You, you. you have to watch your company. Because listen, those people that love treason hate traitors. They love treason, but they hate traitors. And they will put you up to the treason and then leave you hanging. Be careful of people who are talking about if I was you. I wouldn't take that if I was you. You don't even have a husband and you're telling somebody who's married, I wouldn't take that if I was you. You took that and more. I, 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 don't, I don't want no bald head man telling me how to grow hair. It ain't working for you. I don't need nobody broke telling me how to get over. It ain't helping you. I need somebody who's had some experiences with God and with faith and with prayer and with praise and you've learned that God will do some things for you that you cannot do for yourself and if I see God's goodness in your life I'm not getting jealous of you I want to get what you got 
Um, now listen. He was hanging long enough for his friends to get him down. But nobody came to disentangle him. Because people will put you up to making a fool out of yourself. <laughs> and when you look for them, they had the turkey leg hut. They, they made you make a fool out of yourself. And they're getting their nails done. They got you talking crazy on your job, and they still got their job. I wish I had one or two more believers here. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors, but you've got to be careful who you surround yourself with because not everybody is good counsel. Not everybody has good sense. Common sense is not a common thing. And so you have to be careful who you surround yourself with or you'll get yourself in a whole lot of trouble because Absalom is left hanging when they could have taken him down. But people who like treason usually hate traitors because they figure I ain't getting in the situation you got yourself in. You crazy for listening to me in the first place. I didn't tell you to go that far. Talk back to me if you can. I just told you to say one or two things and sit down. I didn't tell you to set the house on fire. I just told you to give them a piece of your mind. I didn't mean for you to shoot up the whole family reunion. Don't listen to foolish counsel. Blessed is the man. I need a Bible reader right here who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, come on, you can help me say it, is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate both day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Neither be envious of those who work iniquity. They shall soon be cut off like grass and they shall wither like the green herb. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Absalom is hanging while David is just sitting down eating. Because the Lord will prepare a table before you 
in the very presence of your enemies. And listen, your enemies are not always outside your family. Somebody going to help me preach here. Sometimes your enemy can be in your bloodline because they are hating on you because how God is blessing you. But if God is blessing you, I don't care what they say. Just walk like God is blessing you. Shout like God is blessing you. Wave your hands like God is blessing you. And if your sister mad with you, feed her. If your brother mad with you, give him a ride. You're getting mad with me ain't going to stop God from blessing me. You forfeiting your blessing, being foolish and being angry when God is blessing somebody else. I'm through. He squandered his blessing. He squandered his privilege. He was David's son. A royal descendant twice over. A potential heir to the throne. It should have been Absalom instead of Solomon. But Absalom decided to rise up in rebellion against his own father. The scripture says in chapter 14 of 2 Samuel that, that, that Absalom had luxurious hair. He was a sight to behold. Read it when you get home. The Bible in chapter 14 says, from head to toe, there was not a blemish on Absalom. He was the most beautiful of David's children. But before Absalom, there was another one just as beautiful, Lucifer, the bright sun of the morning, was so illustrious to look upon that he was the most gorgeous creature God ever created. And God gave him the responsibility of leading praise in worship. Because they praised God without interruption. And Lucifer, the bright sun of the morning, had the responsibility of leading the praise. But he was so pretty, so beautiful, he thought he was in the place of the one he had been called to praise. And so God expelled him and a third of the angelic hosts. And Lucifer is in hell right now mad because he's not the one giving God praise. You know what praise does? Praise does two things this morning. Praise moves the heart of God and praise makes Satan mad. Because Satan is supposed to be doing what you're doing right now. So I think I'm going to make Satan mad this morning. And thank God for what he's done for me. Thank God for the doors he's opened for me. Thank God for the friends he's made for me. Thank God for the table he spread before me. I'm going to make Satan mad by talking about how God's been good to me. 
how God gave me a good mother and father, how God gave me brothers and sisters, how God gave me friends and relatives, how God provided for me when I didn't have a dime, how when my back was up against the wall, God provided enough space between my back and the wall that I could come to church on Sunday morning and look like I had money even when I was broke. Even look like I was feeling good when I was sick in my body. I just want to praise God right now. Not because praise is only comely to God, but praise makes Satan angry. I need some more people in here this morning who's got a story to tell that's going to make Satan angry. Satan doesn't want to see you hollering and waving your hands. So go on and make the devil mad this morning. Make the devil get out of your way this morning. Because if you make the devil mad this morning and give God praise for his goodness, the devil might be waiting for you when you get home and you're trying to figure out how you're going to solve your problems. God has already gone before you and put down your enemy and he'll make your enemy to be your footstool. I need some more praises in here this morning to help me testify before I stop. Absalom forfeited and squandered his blessings. He squandered his privileges, but he also squandered his birthright because he had a right to the throne, but because he rose up against his father, he lost his birthright. I don't want God to take blessings from me this morning because I'm too mean to tell God thank you. I don't want God to short circuit his goodness in my life because my ways are too ugly to tell God thank you. I need a witness in here this morning who's got some stuff you got to handle this week and you need God on your side. You've got a situation coming up that you can't handle by yourself. You got a problem with your supervisor. You got a situation in your family. You've got a doctor's appointment coming up. You've got some financial difficulties. Somebody has wronged you and tried to stab you in the back. You've just been good to them and all you've been is kind to them. And all they do is lie on you. All they do is criticize you. All they do is try to take advantage of you. But if you're on the Lord's side, God will let you know who your enemies are. And then God will show up just when it looks like they're about to get the upper hand. Just when they dig a ditch for you. God will let them fall in it themselves. Is there anybody here? No, God is a protector. Is there anybody here? No, God is a provider. You're going to help me close this, won't you? Absalom is out there in quite a predicament. He's in a precarious predicament. Strung out on a limb. He's hanging on a limb. He's out on a limb. He's in a precarious predicament. He's hanging between heaven and earth. He's in a precarious predicament. He's out on a limb. 
one Friday on a hill called Calvary. There was another man between heaven and earth out on a limb, not because he rebelled against his father, because in obedience to his father, he died. Didn't he die? He died not in rebellion, but he died in obedience. He died. Didn't he die? But Ella, 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 Sunday morning, God raised him up with all power in his hand. Is there anybody here feel like helping me this morning? Is there anybody here know you are what you are? You have what you have. You know what you know. You can do what you can do because it was nobody but Jesus. That's why you look so good. That's why you're living so good. That's why you're riding so good. That's why you're praising so loud. It was nobody. 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 I wish I had a witness here. Why don't you look at somebody? Tell them, look at me. I'm a testimony. I didn't make it on my own. I'm not standing here alone. It was Jesus who gave me this opportunity. Look at me. I may not look like much now, but you should have seen me when the Lord got his hands on me. You think I'm shouting now. Wait until the battle is over. You think I'm happy now. Wait till God answers my prayer. You think I'm running now. Wait until God opens the door. You think I'm acting a fool right now. Wait until my child gets off of drugs. You think I'm giving God praise now. Wait till I get my house. Wait till I get my raise. Wait till my health gets right. Wait until my situation turns around. I will bless the Lord at all time. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Here it is. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you know he's good, and you're not ashamed to testify if he brought you out and you're not ashamed to give him glory if he made a way you don't mind giving him praise tell him thank you thank you thank you thank you i know he's all right
I know it's time to go. I know we're running out of time. But in the town where I was raised, in Eunice where I was born, a whole lot of people who grew up with me and saw me growing up said you'd never be anything. You'd never amount to very much. And every time I go back home, I say to them, I may not look like much to you. I may not be very much to you. But if anybody asks you who I am, tell them I'm a child of God. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy, 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 joy. Do you have joy? I said, do you have joy? This joy that I have, the world didn't give it. Come on, help me say it. The world can't take it away. Tell him thank you. I see you shouting in the balcony. Tell him thank you. I see you happy over here in the back. Tell him thank you. I see you clapping right here in the front. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know he's all right.